That was literally verbal diarrhea. I'm setting the bar awfully low. Titus O'Neil keeps running directly into that bar. Get him off my TV, get him off my TV. You make me very angry. The man who has a better IQ than you, the awe-inspiring JC. You should go work for WWE because you'd be so up far up Vince's No, butt. no, no, no. Oh, you are no, such no, a no, sucker. No, no. You, you are. defend everything, all the bad moves they make. This is the Chopper Joker gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to another edition of the Jobber Knocker Podcast. Like I've teased on Twitter, I got a very special, can't really call him a guest. The Exalted One has returned to us. Nestlemania is on the line. It's wonderful to be back. I have missed everybody, and I know nobody has missed me more than me, and I am excited to be back. Although on the phone, we can't be in the same room, so we can't, you know, get angry at one another. Hey, but, we, uh, I am ready to go and talk about WrestleMania. We are practicing that social distancing that everyone should be doing right now. Uh, we are doing it as well, but we felt like we had to give you this podcast because let's bring some joy to your life. And you know what? There has been some bad news. I know our uh, the Quinn Twins, as I like to call them, are very upset because their obviously WrestleMania plans have been canceled. WrestleMania will not happen in Tampa, but they will be having a show at the Performance Center and could be having another one later in the year in WrestleMania. It's weird to me. Like, I, I, when I was listening to what other people were talking about or, or reading articles or anything, I thought to myself, okay, cool. Like, they're still doing it. They're giving us some joy when, you know, things are kind of bleak right now for us as fans or just people in general when you're watching the same reruns or other things. You're going to get WrestleMania. But then it dawned on me last night when I was watching Raw. It's just going to be weird to watch these huge matches happen with no crowd reaction. Like, I feel like WrestleMania is about the crowd like you can't hear it right away because you know there's 90,000 people in there you know but it, it, it's odd to me to be like okay there's going to be pyro probably not because they're in the performance center I'm sure they'll do some type of crazy light thing but I'm curious to see what happens because I don't know exactly what's going to go down in terms of making it seem like a big deal because we've already seen Smackdown NXT and Raw in the performance center and it looks cool it looks great but it's just odd you know what I mean it looks like Every match is an empty arena match, and it seems like we're going to hear, you know, too much talking in the ring, and commentary doesn't seem like it's the same. It's just, it's odd to me. I don't know what you, how you feel about the whole process. I mean, I remember how it was. When you started actually watching SmackDown before me, and you texted me, and you said, this is just weird. And I, I think my response to you was like, I just don't understand how you do wrestling without fans, because literally everything you do in wrestling is towards a live crowd, like... You, it's harder to have good guys and bad guys without a live crowd. It's harder to do all these things, like because we're so much on emotion. So, but watching it, I will say, like I do want to give credit from what we've seen so far, and I know they're going to continue, like the performers just doing their best, because like they don't have to be there either, you know, with all these restrictions and everything coming down and more to come. They're still going out of their way to try to entertain us since we don't have sports right now. We don't have any of these things, but I will say it is weird. And like the big thing for me thinking about it is obviously like. The edge, we were talking about the edge entrance at WrestleMania would be such a cool moment when McIntyre eventually wins. Like, the crowd would be so awesome for that. And, yeah, that's certainly going to be weird. But at the same time, I'm I, the more I've thought about it is that, you know what, 
I'm happy there's still a show happening on April, what is it, 6th or 7th or whatever it is, because it will give us something to look forward to. My only concern is, let's just maybe not go too far with, like, stacking the card in the million matches. Like, I think, what are we at now, like, seven or eight singles matches? Like, I don't know if I want much more than that, and I don't, I don't know if they honestly they will, because like you said, like, it's going to be really hard to put together a show and try to make it feel special without a crowd. I do think that based on what they have, the Performance Center is definitely the right place to go because if they try to do it in another arena or anything like that, it doesn't seem like it's going to work. I think having their own home, having their own building does lend them to some type of amazing kind of thing. And when I watched, I'm sure we'll get into it, I'm sure later, but one thing that piqued my interest when I was listening to the Edge promo was he was talking about it being a last man standing. And the one thing I thought about, they've kind of covered it up in the Performance Center, but it does seem like something that would happen and it, it would make it special and make it weird and different would be that they just start brawling where the gym is and start using weights or trying to strangle each other with dumbbells and stuff like that. Like there is that like an environment uh, like that portion of it that I would really kind of dig. And uh, a lot of people like, you know, there are some people that we know who have gotten towards the performance center, but I think for certain matches and certain things, depending on whether it's a backstage promo or anything, they can play with so many amazing different tools at their disposal because it's theirs. There's no additional things they have to do. So it does pique my interest in that aspect of it as well because I'm just thinking, like, there's a green screen interview room. I'm sure that could be their promo room. You know, there's different things here. But I'm just I'm concerned to see if it's a big-time thing. Like, I'm sure we'll get more into it, but I've been racking my brain thinking, how do you make these title changes mean something? How do you make the entrances look different? Like you saw Becky roll up in that ridiculous looking truck, Ugh. the 18 wheeler. I could only assume that was for WrestleMania. Uh, you know, cause why? I mean, it's not a race car. It's a goddamn, you know, fucking 18 wheeler, <laughs> right? Like with her big ass face and the man on the back looking ridiculous. Like, I'm sure they've got like, you know, Bray Wyatt's giant Cadillac monster truck that he was talking about. I mean, I'm sure they've got a lot, planned and they're there's probably just losing money back and forth over this thing so they're going to be scrambling about i don't know 90 percent of it seems like they're going to be scrambling but i'm hoping and praying that there is so much that they're going you know what this is a good thing this is a good thing we have everything at our disposal and i bet you they're going to pull out some surprises just to overcompensate for everybody being at home instead of in the arena yeah no i think absolutely they're going to have to be creative with it because um, you like you hit on the entrances. That's always been one of my favorite things. But as you can see, like it's a much shorter entrance ramp, and it's just like like you said, there can't be pyro going off and fireworks. So how are they going to get creative to make it look cool and also give it the same effect? But at the same time, it's like part of the entrance is the interaction of the person coming down the ramp to the crowd. Whether it's a baby face, like when Edge came out in the Royal Rumble, like you could tell he wanted to cry, or when a heel like Baron Corbin's walking to the ring, just get getting heat from people, talking smack, like that doesn't really exist with this um environment so i was thinking i'm like do you put like other wrestlers in the stands and just have them sit all like 30 feet apart or i i don't know i thought i think that i don't know if that would work um but just yeah i think they're gonna have to get really creative with each match because i think a lot of it's gonna seem redundant if not if it's just like singles match after singles match but like you said with the last man standing match that one does interest me because also, when they're going around the arena, like if they're in the stands, there's no fans to worry about. So they could, I'm sure, try some different spots uh, as well. But, yeah, I, it's weird, but at the same time, I'm glad it's not gone. 
No, and I, I think that's the thing. I think if you take away Christmas, as Billy Billy Delaney, TV's Billy, uh, as we talk <laughs> about, uh, he always uh, says the same thing I do. This is Christmas, you know. And taking away Christmas, you know, nobody wants to be a Grinch. And I, you know, I'm sure they're losing money regardless of what happens, and and then all that stuff. But I will. I want to make two points very quickly. Yep. But one thing I will say, super positive. It might be because I'm sleep deprived, but super positive is that that it is a shorter entrance ramp, which means the Undertaker's entrance hopefully will be less than two minutes, which will be fan freaking fantastic, right? <laughs> so that's a positive. Secondly, I was thinking about this uh, just from a you know wackadoo Nestlemania kind of aspect of everything. I think it would be awesome. I don't know if they can do it. But I would almost want to see the WWE reach out to the fans and stuff like that about different things that they could be doing. And I, this is this is kind of taking a, a page out of sports. Um, I know we can't get the same result because we're down to, I think, 10 people in a room or less for something. But if they talked to somebody and said, hey, if you're willing to give us a feed of you watching WrestleMania at home, and they they, they maybe they pick certain people and – you get that reaction. Like if they had somebody like Drew McIntyre's family watching WrestleMania from home and watching, you know, then you cut to Drew McIntyre's family every once in a while to get that reaction. Or when Drew McIntyre eventually wins, his family, you know, goes nuts, starts drinking, starts, you know, beating the shit out of each other, whatever they could do. That would be an interesting aspect of something that I was thinking about because it, those are the things that make WrestleMania great. It's the reactions of something that means something to other people and the sacrifices that the families and the friends make to watch their special someone get to WrestleMania. So that to me was something that popped in my brain and went, I could, that could, it's not the same, obviously, because, you know, we'd love to see TJ and, and DQ get the, the moments or, or do the stuff for the vlog for the job and knocker. But I think it's also very interesting to me where I think that if people could get feeds to the WWE or they could work something out there where you see, you know, even other Maybe there's other wrestlers who couldn't come because they're afraid of being sick or they already are sick. Stuff like that, like making it a connection across the whole world and making that WrestleMania feel like it's an international feel would be super awesome, I think. And I think it would make up for a lot of the, the, the shortcomings that we're going to watch. Yeah, no, that's definitely something I consider, too, is like how do you do fan cams? Obviously, you would hope people still aren't doing these giant watch parties because that's not what you should be doing right now. But at the same time, like maybe if it's a couple people in a room, like like you said, a family members would be interesting. But I think that would be very cool, and I think they could easily do that because if you're looking at it from like the director's point of view, he only has the couple cameras they have in the performance center, so you could easily add a couple more feeds that he could choose from with just like some fan cam. So when Drew McIntyre does have that moment, they do have people to pot up. I like that. Look at you bringing all this positive. I'm completely thrown off. I know, right? It's a totally new nestle. Just thank my children because they have beaten me into submission, folks. I've been, I've had farts on my wall, shits on my face, and piss all over my hands. So that's been my weeks. Well, you know what? I'm excited to be back. I'm. I, we're very excited to have you back as well. And I think it's time to, you know, get into the regular part of the program, the shine, the Mandy Rose always in the shine segment, if you will. Uh, and you know yes. what? Since you're the ray of sunshine, you're literally stealing this gimmick. Captain Positivity yes. today. Why don't you tell me what your favorite part of these Performance Center shows was? Well, as Papa Positivity, <laughs> I will say that my favorite part was watching John Cena versus The Fiend. I thought, what the hell are they going to do with this whole thing? John Cena comes out. It looks like it's a, nobody's there at Access. Nobody does anything. He's just like, okay, I'm here. And, you know, Michael Cole's doing his best whatever impersonation of maybe Howard Cosell. I don't know what the fuck he was trying to do. But then I just... I was, they were doing something, and you thought the promo was done, and then slithering behind the barricade was Bray Wyatt, not The Fiend. I really enjoyed that only because it was a surprise, and I thought, oh, okay, that's 
not something I would think. And the, the promo that John cut was great because it made it feel like, okay, same song and dance, people blame me all the time, and this, that, and the other thing, and you've had potential, and you've lost, and this, and that. And he, you know, he really went for what seemed like the jugular. But then Bray Wyatt walked in very, you know, nonchalantly and talked to him about how he's wrong and how he's stupid and all these different aspects of life. That it's a warped sense of reality. And the best people that transcend wrestling throughout anything you do is one of the best pieces of advice I've ever got for people that were veterans in the business to talk to me. The best heels in the business and the best baby faces in the business, or just the best people in the business in general. They believe what they do. They believe what their actions are, are the correct actions, no matter how warped they may be. And I was watching it going, Bray Wyatt might be thinking to himself, oh, I'm just going to murder John Cena at WrestleMania. But it's the right thing to do. And when, I, when he was talking, I thought to myself, that's the perfect logic for a psychopath to really just be like, I'm going to kill John Cena, or I'm going to beat you, John Cena, and I'm going to do all these things to you. And John Cena's not going to do anything to do about it. I mean, I hope and pray that John Cena lays down for him. Uh, I think that's probably what we're going to go with. But there is that, you know, John Cena-ish feeling of like, man, maybe he will just take out the shovel one more time, you know. But uh, <laughs> we'll see. But that that one excited me enough to go, okay, that made a lot of sense. That one made me feel like that didn't feel out of place. Yeah, no, I completely agree. That segment, I thought, knocked it out of the park. Both of those guys are two of the best promos of all time, in my opinion. Absolutely super hot fire! But it literally, it sold me on that match. It was one of those matches where it just kind of came out of nowhere. We were excited for it because we liked the two guys. But literally, that segment sold me on it. And I've moved it up to number two in my uh, power rankings of matches I'm most excited for, right below Edge and Orton. And uh, I think that's saying a lot because there are quite a few matches on this card I'm excited for. But this one segment completely sold me on this, completely. Completely. So I heard power rankings. Does that mean that JC's power rankings might make a sneak peek back? Oh, man. Anything's possible with this uh, little uh, quarantine zone thing going on because I am slowly losing my mind here. But uh, I don't want to put you on the spot. I just I heard power rankings and it, it piqued my interest. Well, you know what? Maybe once we have more of a card, maybe they'll make a comeback. Speaking of, uh-huh. the thing that I was most excited for beyond this on SmackDown was our guy Triple H doing commentary. Now, it just seemed like this was just, he just went on there and gave zero fucks. He literally comes on right away and says, what, I got a demotion? He's making fun of Shinsuke's promos because he didn't say a word. He even did some camera messing around. I thought this was something that really added to the show that gave it a little extra that entertained me throughout the night and things that probably wouldn't have been as fun if it wasn't for Triple H just messing around. I thought he acted like an absolute doofus. Like, and not in a good way. <laughs> I and this is not this is not shine for me. This is where what? I get back to regular mental. Oh this is not shine for me. This was not shine for me. I, I might be sleep deprived and a little bit more positive than normal. But I'm telling you right now, I went to go. Why would you make fun of Shinsuke Nakamura? A guy doesn't talk because you don't let him talk, and he can't, you know, do certain things. But then, like him making fun of all these things, being like, "I'm going to be gone," and then Michael Cole makes one fall, but I'm back, and you know, like I get that it's like ha ha ha. But there's something about Triple H's sophomoric humor after a while, where I'm just like. This guy is beyond dad humor. This guy is beyond uncle humor. This guy is the guy in the room that thinks he's funny, telling a fart joke when he should be doing something better. And I was just, I was appalled. Appalled! Oh, my God. Did you not enjoy DX? This was literally him just messing around. I did enjoy DX when it was 20 years ago. Oh, my God. And he was roughly, you know, before he got married and could do all the fucking fart jokes. Now, he's just some dude in a suit. He's a doofus. Well, it took Do about 15 it. minutes, but uh, I think you've officially made your comeback, uh, Captain Positivity. Jeezo. Wow. Wait, 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 wait. It lasted a little. It lasted a little, okay? 
That's true. I would do want to stay on SmackDown, though, because uh, another one that I enjoyed was Miz and Morrison. Miz and Morrison. I think the last time you were around, they were just he was just coming back. We know I know you love your boy, Johnny Mundo, uh, there, Morrison, but I mean Miz was another guy who even in this empty arena I thought really shined with his promos. I thought this was entertaining. Obviously they replayed the chamber match, which filled some time, but having these guys come out and just kind of like finally be able to talk a little, but I just I have no idea what's next for them, but I at least thought their promo was entertaining. I will I will concede that it was entertaining. It was different. I appreciated the fact that they made fun of there was no fans there. And all that jazz. That's fine. There's something about I appreciate the Miz having more confidence with his best friend next to him. That's great. That's wonderful. Uh, I, the problem, here's, here's why I think it's great and also bad. Miz and Morrison were made to do the WrestleMania press conference tour. That's essentially, in my opinion, why they had the straps going into WrestleMania. Now that we don't have anybody because we have a quarantine and nobody could be within, you know, speeding each other. It kind of just makes it seem like, okay, here are the two clowns doing God knows what and yada, yada, yada. Hopefully they have a WrestleMania match. Maybe they won't. Maybe they will. Who knows? You know, so to me, there's a positive and negative to it where I can see why they were where they are. And they worked very hard. They did a good job in the chamber. I, I You know, the match was great. That was a wonderful match. And it made them, you know, the, the snivering heels that they are, or jackass, you know, cowards. But I'm just curious to see there's not really a lead-up to where we're going with WrestleMania so much with them. So I think that it's just going to be like, hodgepodge, we'll do a tag team gauntlet, you know? Yeah, I would I would assume the Usos and the New Day would potentially be involved there. Who knows, Heavy Machinery, Rude and Ziggler, the Glorious, whatever you want to call them. And there's probably more teams on that brand. I know the Revival are probably off, but I just... I don't know. I think it might be simple as a triple threat there, but like you said, I, like I said earlier, I don't want this card to just be filled with nonsense. So, but at the same time, like they do need some sort of direction. Well, nonsense makes sense depending on who you ask. So it could happen. Was there any other nonsense on either show that you enjoyed? Nonsense that I enjoyed, you know, not necessarily enjoyed. I think that we'll probably hit the heat button because I feel like there's a mean Mark Callis we got to talk about. Get him off my TV. Get him off my TV. Get him off my TV. So I can't plug in my iPad. So this one was interesting for different reasons. He walked out to a steam that came out at normal Mark Calloway speed, which was a little bit more than, you know, Undertaker speed, it seems like. So that was fine. Uh, but then he comes out with a do-rag and his ponytail oh. that looked like just it looked like something out of white trash heaven or hell, depending on where Undertaker comes from. And he walks out and he's doing his, you know, I'm flipping the table, going to commercial break. Nothing more menacing than flipping a table and watching Michael Cole run away. Woo! And then we get the AJ Styles bit, which, again, I enjoyed very much. I enjoyed very much. I think that AJ Styles hit his stride at the right point of the season, doing a great job. Um, it was a very formulaic thing. You know, after we got past the McCool jabs, which I fucking love. Because <laughs> she is such a fucking gold digger. I love it. They're just going after it. I love it. I love it because it's humanizing the Undertaker. I love the whole fact that it's she. And every, I think I heard, I forget if it was with Ray or if you did it with DQ and DJ, but you were saying how much I hate her on almost Kelly Kelly level. I will say this much. She's not talented. And I've been reading uh, and listening to other people and shoot interviews and stuff saying that woman got married to the Undertaker and thought that she was the leader of the ladies' locker room the minute she said, I do, and people couldn't stand her fucking ass. And little tidbit note, McCool used the Styles Clash as a finish back in the day, which I don't know if they're going to draw a comparison to, 
but she actually did a pretty decent job of it. So I'm curious to see if she'll actually maybe roll into the ring and hit Styles with a Styles Clash or anything like that may happen because I think that's an interesting callback. I doubt it. I doubt they're going to go that far into the weeds. But I wouldn't mind watching that woman get face planted. Honestly, it would be fucking awesome. <laughs> yeah, honestly, that that'd actually be pretty cool. I'd be all for that because, like I've been saying for weeks with this match, like I, it, it just needs to be like a spot, like spot, spot, spot finish. But I will say I've been hard on this guy for a long time. But good lord, when he came out, he legitimately looked like a ninety-year-old man. Like I just, I felt so like he looked so bad and old, and I'm just like. I can't believe that this guy could hurt a fly right now. Oh my god, it was painful to watch. I just, oh man, I don't. I just, whew. yeah. This, the ponytail this one better be doesn't quick. help. No, the ponytail doesn't help. You know, it's like I think someone said it's a, it's a cross between the Undertaker, Mean Mark Calloway, the Biker Taker, and then just some jerk who came out of the biker bar without a shirt on. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. Like I just. I was watching it going, okay, then they're going to give, you know, send out the, the doofuses to go do the, the contract. And then, of course, it's gong. Wait, five, ten minutes. Mark's behind you, guys. Oh, yeah. Turn around. Fist meet. That's what it was. And then nothing. You know, it's just like, I'm the undertaker. I'm going to do this. I'm the best pure striker in WWE history because that's the line I fed to the commentators back <laughs> ten years ago when I could actually make contact with people. You know, it's just it, – it's hard to watch somebody that is such an all-time great become an all-time low. It's really bad, and I just – it's going to – I hope I eat crow, but I'm going to say this right now. AJ Styles has his work cut out for him. Some people can wrestle circles around people and make them look good like wrestling a broom. But I don't know if a broom is really the way I describe The Undertaker. I think a broom has more athletic ability at this point of his career than The Undertaker. Yeah, the man's literally like a cinder block with a gimmick on him. It's just like, yeah, I just honestly, uh, it's, it, I hope it's either like has some nonsense or it's a squash and he just hits his couple moves on AJ because I, I can't watch a match with these. But uh, speaking of, I think we should just stay on the geriatric chain. Choo-choo! Um, I believe, I want to read a text that I got from our boy Cap uh, this morning, so bear with me here as I navigate my phone and try not to hang up on you uh he said stone cold just ruined a legendary 30-year career with one truly embarrassing promo that thing was absolutely cringe like it i just was watching this and i was like this this can't be stone cold they had to have cloned him and replaced him with like something ridiculous because like who i will say I appreciated the Byron stuff. I thought it was funny. I think it took too long for him to get down to the rain. Like, holding up the cards was funny for a couple, but, like, the rating cards, because the Stone Cold reading off cards was just didn't work. But Byron was the star of this segment by taking that dick kick and still stelling the stunner. Stunner, excuse me. He does it again, but, man, Nestlemania, you know everyone. We're all Stone Cold guys, but I don't think anyone can defend that promo. I would want to defend that promo if I had my brain removed. However, <laughs> I was watching it going, I was watching it thinking to myself, okay, here comes Stone Cold Steve Austin. And there he is, selling merchandise on 316. What the fuck are we doing? He, there was no lead up. There's nothing for any reason why he needed to be out there. I'm sure it's a ratings grab, which is whatever. It is what it is. Sometimes you got to break the glass, pun intended. But... It's just hard to watch somebody parade themselves out there and try to be, you know, Johnny Carson with his cue cards. It's like, when the hell was Stone Cold Steve Austin doing anything with a cue card in his life? Ever. It's like, he didn't write them. 
clearly he didn't write them because that man probably doesn't even use any type of writing utensil. He's probably not tech savvy. He probably doesn't even know how to use a typewriter. That man is just a kick-ass dude. But having him walk out with cue cards obviously made it seem like he was handcuffed. Obviously made it seem like he didn't know what he was doing. And then there was that weird disconnect with Byron where he just, after the first thing he said, why it's a national holiday, he put up a random number. But we didn't, we didn't really have a, like an idea of why he threw up the number. Eventually you got it after each thing he said, but it just seemed like a disconnect. Like it would have been better for Byron to be like, I give it a six, you know, or something that would have made it better. I know we had to get to a point of Byron eating stunners, which is whatever. And it's fine. But it also lends me to think, here's something else that didn't make any sense. And I don't know if people are going to say, Oh, it's a passing of the torch moment. Becky Lynch comes out with more Steve Weisner's doing, you know, whatever the hell she's doing. And stomps over, you know, Byron and does her IPAs, drinking, whatever, trying to be, you know, that, that connection with Stone Cold. But what did it do? It did nothing. It was just ha-ha and gaga and nothing in between. It just didn't make any goddamn sense. Yeah. No one sense, JC. No, I'm, I'm with you 100%. I thought everything about the Be- about Becky, like her and Baszler, like have some momentum of being a serious, like good feud. But all this Becky shit lately has been hokey. It was with like the nonsense she was wearing a couple weeks ago, the truck, and then this. It was just... It's just she's be literally becoming like a sideshow, which I think is insane compared to where she should be. And then the opponent she has that like, what are they setting her up to? Are they setting it up to be like a Sheamus Daniel Bryan thing where Shayna Baszler taps her out in two seconds because Becky's too cocky? Like I don't know. This is just I don't know. This was obviously a forced thing with the three sixteen day and her coming out and like you said, but it didn't resonate for me either. I will say there was a it's hilarious a WWE.com exclusive where there's no crowd, but they still have one. The Street Profits came out after, and they both ate stunners, which I thought was entirely more entertaining. And like instead of having Becky come out at all, have them come out with the solo cup thing, which I thought was hilarious. And Stone Cold stuns Montez, says, oops, that was an accident. It was just habit. And then he does the same thing to Dawkins. Like, I thought that would have been way more entertaining than parading the man out there. It's true. And you know what also makes me very upset about this entire thing, JC? Yep. Is that we were sitting there watching the man drink beers with Stone Cold Steve Austin, trying to be Stone Cold Steve Austin. Meanwhile, she has a match against Shayna Baszler. Shayna Baszler got out of bed to stare <laughs> at a monitor. I know, right? PC. That's all she did. That's all she did. You want to talk about putting this thing on the fucking fritz? Like, I bit you in the neck, bitch. Now I'm going to get out of bed and stare at a monitor. Scare! Yeah, I just... That's all she did. I didn't understand that. I saw it, too. I'm glad you brought that up because I'm watching. I'm like... Do they literally have her come down here when people shouldn't be leaving their house to stare at a monitor? Like, maybe they, I I just like, like, what the fuck are we doing? Like, like, especially with all the shit they did with Becky, like, why was she even, like, I don't know. That that was just, yeah, I just, wow. Yeah. Do anything. Have Shayna, have Shayna steal the monster truck. Have Shayna bite Steve Austin. I don't (laughs) give a shit. Do something. Have Shayna steal all the peers. And say, this is a family show. I don't give a fuck. Do something. There's so many disconnects. There were no there were no dots connected whatsoever. And I'm watching this going, this is, this is a clown show. This is an absolute clown show sometimes. And it's hard to defend it. But you're just like, well, the coronavirus is out there. Better than blowing my brains out. So I might as well watch this fucking thing, even though it makes no fucking sense. Yep. And Not I... One you mentioned clowns, so I do want to trans- transition now to a guy with face who wears face paint sometimes. Your boy, Jeff Hardy, came back, and of course, 
he had to beat King Corbin. But the biggest problem I have with this is, like, he didn't just beat King Corbin. It was because of stupid Elias. This is the WrestleMania program that the Kane is getting is freaking Elias. Are you kidding me with the year he's had and he's stuck with this bum Elias? Ah, I'm just so deflated. You're deflated, and Tom Brady's gone. There's Ooh. so many connections there. Ooh. Anyway, back to something else. But here's here's what I'm thinking, is that the King clearly is going to beat Elias. And why is Elias even doing something at WrestleMania? Because Elias is 99.9% reasoning for being involved in wrestling, waking up in the morning, brushing his teeth, getting his stupid guitar, playing it out of tune, as Triple H made fun of before, which, again, another reason why he hit a doofus, because he was on commentary going, oh, you didn't even know the bell rang twice. Like, why would you go out there and do that to your own fucking people is beyond me. I don't know. Like, Triple H is a doofus beyond doofus. But getting back to the Elias thing, he, he needs the crowd. He needs the crowd to be relevant or for them to be interested. He doesn't have a crowd. So in my opinion, I would sit him down for WrestleMania and say, you know what, after WrestleMania, we're going to re-put the, stra- you know, the strap back on you, rocket your ship right up somebody's ass and give you what you need. But right now, we're going to you know, leave you on, you know, on the sidelines for WrestleMania we're going to let Baron Corbin try to beat somebody that's worth, you know, his time. You were talking about somebody that should lose in 10 seconds. Elias should be flattened in 10 seconds by end of days, and that should be the end of that. God, I hope you're right about that. I just don't think it'll happen, unfortunately. <sighs> well, a girl can dream. That's true. Well, Nassimania, do you have any more heat, or shall we get to the hope? I mean, you know, I'm sure I can piss over everything, but let's <laughs> get hope. All right. Glorious. It is your return, so why don't you kick us off? So my hope is, quite frankly, that I've looked at a lot of the matches at WrestleMania, and I've thought to myself, well, McIntyre and Brock Lesnar should go on last. However, I do feel that my hope here is that I think Goldberg and Reigns will go on last, and I I am hopeful for this, because now crowds are taken out of it. So... If you want this thing to end the way it's supposed to, like, yes, choose the you know, feel-good thing, I'm watching this going, I'm going to be hopeful and say, if you leave Drew at the end, it just looks weird with nobody celebrating with him. If you let Reigns win and nobody's chanting his name or screaming or whatever, it's business as usual. No, no reaction is a better reaction than somebody booing Roman Reigns at the end of WrestleMania. And to me... As much as it should be, Drew McIntyre, I think based on the situation, they're going to have to flip-flop, call an audible, and I think that I'm going to be hopeful and say, well, nobody can boo Goldberg. Nobody can cheer Lesnar or boo anybody else in this world. They're going to just be who they are, you know, no matter who comes down that ramp at WrestleMania. So you know what? Let Roman Reigns win. Let him have his fucking 14th WrestleMania main event. Let it be there because... At least we can't bitch about it because we're gonna. This is the one WrestleMania that if you bitch about it for being in existence, you're a terrible person. These people are putting their lives on the line to give you entertainment for at least five to seven hours, and we're gonna have to take some sacrifice in being a fan and being like, well, it's on television. So if Roman Reigns is on the end, I'm hopeful that it'll probably be a quick match and it'll be a good ending because we know that the big dog is gonna ooh all over Mr. Goldberg. You know what? I like that hope because you bring up a lot of good points. Like part of the McIntyre thing is that moment. He's not going to have it. So, you know, Vince, just put your boy on last and Vince can run out and celebrate with him. How about that? Yes. (laughs) Well, my hope is going to be a little different. It's more of in the short term of 
trying to spice up these shows a little bit. They've definitely been trying different things. Obviously, we talked about Triple H on commentary, which is a great thing, even though you're insane and don't think that. But they also, they had Asuka on commentary a little bit during a match on Raw, which was weird. But you know what I give them credit for? Trying. Because I think they're going to have to try a lot of different things here in the next few weeks. And I want them to just keep throwing shit at the wall and see what sticks. Because you know what? Like you, like we've been saying all program, it's silent in there besides like you can hear the moves. And so spice it up, whether it's extra guest commentators, more people at ringside, or maybe, you know, Seth Rollins has a match next week and Kevin Owens is just in the crowd by himself eating popcorn and he starts throwing tomatoes in the ring at him after he wins or something. I don't know. But I think they just got to get really creative these next couple weeks and probably even beyond that, depending on how long this stuff goes, that to really spice up this show, because if not, it's just going to feel redundant in an empty arena, two guys grappling. So that's my hope, short and sweet. Hashtag JC knows. Hashtag JC's hopes come true. I like the tomato throwing thing. That's a new <laughs> one. I like that. Haven't seen that before. Yeah, I would love to just start throwing tomatoes, vegetables, whatever. I'd, I think that'd be a good time, because that's like what you do in a, in a play, remember, if you don't like it? So... I'm all for it. It's a good, it's a good move. I mean, it's a strong move from popcorn to tomato throwing, but it's you know, it's just a strong move. Okay, you know what? When in Rome, don't call it a comeback. He's been here for years. You know who I'm going to give it to? Your boy Mo Joe Raleigh. Him and Triple H had quite a moment, just absolutely hyping out Cole. It is a gif that will live in. The pantheon of greatness forever. Uh, Mojo apparently is just back to being regular Mojo now since Gronk's on his way on uh, Friday. So I guess he's coming back for that reason. But just for the simple fact he gave us that gif and you're back on the show, I had to give my comeback to Mojo Raleigh. You're going to give your comeback to Mojo Raleigh. How <laughs> fucking dare you? How dare you? Honestly, like I, I was watching his last, you know, whatever he was doing. He couldn't even, you know, Michael Cole is trying to get his, headphone back on his head and the guy's like i'm too hyped i've had six cups of coffee i'm doing this i get it but if the mojo doesn't turn on gronk right away i don't know what the fuck we're doing like that doesn't make any goddamn sense like having them together is just like watching sean and marty all over again and gronk has no fucking clue what he's doing he's already sean that's what it's gonna be it's gonna be awful fucking awful that's all i'm saying about that so he's not getting your co-comeback this week I was going to give him to it, but now that you've really, really upset me, I uh, know I'm not going to give it to it. You know, I would rather, I would rather give my comeback to Riddick Moss, who wasn't even on the program. That's what I would do. Oh, is he your new favorite? No, he's not. But did you see? I was watching you guys or listening to you guys talk about the Riddick Regiment or whatever because it popped up on the screen, and all I could think about was like, is he Simon Dean? Like, I, you know, I just made no goddamn sense. But I'm glad that TJ. TJ fucking led some uh, knowledge, uh, dropped some knowledge on that one because I was like, I'm glad somebody picked up on it because it made no sense to me. It was like, they must have a Rolodex of Titantrons and just hit the wrong fucking version or something. It was bizarre. Fucking or they just bizarre. have, even the people working don't have a clue who he is. So they're like, oh, this one's in the system. We'll go with that. Yeah. Well, you know, it is what it is. Mm -hmm. So who's you got to your comeback then? Well, I was going to give my comeback to, to something stupid, but now that I've thought about it, I'm going to give my comeback to Edge because I felt like the week before he had that weird, like, came out in Spirit MVP and Norton and he had hit an RKO that looked awkward. And what to me wasn't the best presentation of, like, here we go, this is fucking WrestleMania. But I think he really bounced back this week with his promo. They didn't need to have people, you know, in the crowd for this one to make any goddamn sense. It was just good storytelling. He looked directly, you know, he's full frame on the camera. When he started talking about his mom being a single mom, sacrificing, stuff like that really resonates with somebody. 
and talking about Randy Orton and how, you know, weird he is and, and he's psychotic thinking he's in, you know, in love with him and yada, 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 doing this for his family and all that stuff. He made me believe in a world where we're kind of asked to suspend our beliefs. For one single solitary second, he had me in that promo and I went, oh, God, I just forgot that this was fake. So on that note, I will give it to Edge because I think he proved once again, even though he's been out for nine years, how important it is to relay a message through the camera into your television screens and into your heart and pump into adrenaline for WrestleMania. I like it. I like it a lot. Yeah. And I think, you know what? It's time to finish WrestleMania. And we are obviously in a very uncertain world. Um, WWE seems to have a formula of working out of the performance center, but AEW is kind of more of a question mark. And I mean, obviously it's completely unknown and we could be dating ourselves by talking about it. That's probably put at the end of the show, but they're facing a different set of circumstances where they don't have this and they got to kind of find an arena to do this. How do you think their business might change over the next few months? Well, I'm curious to see how long we're going to all have this quarantine for, or however, you know, these things are. I know that my brother, Kenny had just bought tickets for April to see AEW and was telling me like, Oh, he's like, by accident, I got front row seats. And then I was like, well, I can't come, but that's awesome. And now he's telling me, Oh, I can't, you know, they're pushing off all their tickets till about July or August. So this is probably going to hurt them in certain aspects for three months or so in terms of the gate. But I do believe that they're going to do a better job than NXT and possibly other branches of WWE because I think that they do an amazing job every week of being the elite on the YouTubes and they just do it in such a different way where you don't need a crowd to get over and they didn't need a crowd to get over to begin with so I think from the business acumen of what they have especially with Tony Khan they're going to find interesting ways to go okay we're going to have matches okay we're going to do these weird backstage segments I think they're going to be a little bit more creative because I think they have the flexibility going forward for at least the next couple of weeks, especially with the Exalted Ruler apparently having its own Twitter handle and saying he's coming tomorrow. So I beat the Exalted Ruler from AEW by a day. You're welcome. <laughs> uh, but but I do think that there is something about the business ac- acumen of Tony Khan. When I think about he's thinking of things in a different way, and I don't think a crowd – like, and I think this is odd to me. And maybe someone will think of a wackadoo or somebody might actually agree with me. But I think this will give AEW a leg up because, and I'm not saying this to to be mean, I think this is a positive, is that AEW, for the most part, are bunches of indie dudes who don't work in front of big crowds. They have to work sometimes in these smaller venues. They have to work small time with, I mean, I've been at events where there's 20 people, there's 10 people. There's nobody in the crowd sometimes because nobody fucking shows up. You know? And I think... That doesn't hurt their ego. They're just going to go out and have smash mouth amazing wrestling matches or go out to try to entertain people because they just are entertaining people and they want to entertain themselves. So I think by having not having the WWE system in them and not having that we've got to perform to the cameras, we've got to perform to the people, I think that's what's slowing down WWE a little bit because they've got to shift gears in terms of doing something. Whereas AEW is more enhanced with the crowd and the crowd doing things. But if you took the crowd out of AEW, I'm pretty sure you'd see almost the exact same thing, probably amplified. 
No, yeah, I, I think you hit on a lot of big points. And the one thing that I really agree with is you mentioned the being elite stuff, but we even see it on AEW television. Like, they always have these unique types of, like, interviews or segments that aren't part of the regular show or, like, little vignettes or something. And I could see them just dialing those up because, you know, we said WWE's just replaying, like, the Royal Rumble and the Chamber. And maybe it's because, you know, they just haven't had the resources. And maybe AEW won't either to be able to put together things. But they've already been doing a good job of having these types of, like, interesting packages and stuff that isn't just a recap. So I think they could implement more of that. And then, obviously, like you said, about the indie wrestling thing's a good point. But... I am curious to see, like, if they at some point have issues with venues or travel because they're not the big machine WWE is. But, like you mentioned, the Khan family certainly does have a lot of resources. I would think that they'll probably – they've done a decent job of trying to not overexpose people. But I think that they're also going to have longer matches. That's, this is where Kenny Omega is going to make his money. These are where, the, you know, the John Moxies are going to make their money because they – find ways to make things interesting and can draw things out. Jericho can do a 20-minute talk second, not that he should all the time, but if it's entertaining, you're going to forget that it's 20 minutes because that's what Rod does at the beginning of every show anyway. So I think they're going to find the right people to plug and play. I don't think NXT has the people to do those kind of things. And so I'm thinking that AEW, at least for me, I, I haven't been able to watch a lot of wrestling, uh, obviously, in the last couple of weeks. But what I have seen is a lot of people taking chances and doing things differently. And I think that that's, people are more flexible in the AEW banner because they just they have the free ability, the, the, the creativity to do it. And uh, they're not run through a factory. They're literally individuals. So I think that that's going to make a difference. And it's a positive. I think we're all kind of you know hunkered down with our families right now, wanting to be out and about and doing things. And not having sports is crippling, you know, crippling for a lot of people. And not having new content is terrible. But having wrestling around... And they're still doing it. There's, you know, clearly they're doing it within the, the lines of the law, I guess. But I think AEW is going to do a better job. I really do. I, I, I'm putting my money down on the table right now and saying in the next weeks or so, or maybe even a couple months, we're going to say, wow, AEW is pulling ahead in the creativity. Maybe not a numbers aspect, but I think creativity-wise, it definitely will work out. I like the hot takes coming back firing. And, you know, before we uh, call it a day here, I do want to say you've obviously been with, uh, gone from us for about a month, been very busy in your personal life. But I know you haven't seen, like, all the wrestling that you normally do. But has there been anything that it's like you've seen and you're like, man, I really want to, like, have a take on this? Let's have an open forum for you to say whatever you want from anything you've seen from the last month that, you know, that you think that we deserve your take on. I gotta say off the top right now, the Elimination Chamber and the entire fucking night was a dog shit. Absolute dog <laughs> shit. With one exception, was the tag team chamber. Thank that you. That match, super hot, fucking motherfucking, oh cheese, score cheese, hot sauce fire. That <laughs> match was like as 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 many fucking flames as you possibly can put in there. I watched that and went. They made stars out of heavy machinery. They made Miz and Morrison look great. They had New Day. They had the Usos. You know, everybody contributed. Lindsay Dorado doing a stupid fucking Thunder Cage backflip. I was just going out. This is this is the human demolition derby. This is the melee that I love. And just watching Tucker, which is, the, in my opinion, out of everybody in that match, Tucker had no fucking business being that good, and he was amazing. And he was always the guy we forget about. But I think that that was done so strategically, especially if they go with your route, JC, of having Tucker turn on Otis or anything of that matter, because watching Otis just bulldoze himself whoa, 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 out the fucking chamber was laughable, but also very visually stimulating, because you 
you're just thinking to yourself, here's this fucking mad truck of a guy with like thighs for days, just running through it, just boom, dead. And just watching Tucker be like, Otis? Otis? Just had me. The whole fucking match had me. And then, of course, you know, the Ms. Morrison come up with the fucking heel ending. I love it. I love that thing. The rest of the whole night was dog shit. I didn't get to watch everything. Clearly, I had to watch highlights of things. But from what I saw, I went, this was a popcorn fart pay-per-view. This one right here is only annals of time and then special on anal. It is so poo-poo bad that I thought to myself, this one is going to be a stinker, and it's going to be up there for a very, very long time. I'm glad that you did give some shine on the tag team chamber match because I obviously, like I've said on the show, like I saw it kind of on delay and I saw some guys, some of the boys in our thread saying that, oh, it wasn't that good. And then I watched it. I'm like, did I just watch the same match? That match was fucking incredible. So I'm glad that you enjoyed yeah. that because that obviously I think has been the highlight of the last month. But is there anything else before I try to socialize the pod? I'm just hopeful that I think that, uh, I, I, you know, it's weird. I just want to hammer the one thing home again is that they have to make WrestleMania look different. I don't know if they're going to import a pirate ship. I don't know if they're going to fucking have some random ass shit. I don't know what they're going to do, but I think they need to do it now or never because they can't do pyro. They can't do all these things. Dress that fucking place up big time because otherwise we've seen it before and we're going to be like, oh, here's Ron Smackdown on steroids, folks. So do not let us down because if you do, if you punt this away, if you shank it to the left, we will not forget this. We are very, very fickle people. Well, let's just hope they're not the Buffalo Bills and go wide right. But you know what we never do in this program? We never miss. So give us five stars, five flames on iTunes, Anchor, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, archived on YouTube. That would help us out a lot. Go to jobberknocker.com. Read all our articles, our weekly ones, our NXT, AEW, NWA Power, and NXT UK. Uh, we'll also, when prediction time comes for WrestleMania, we'll have that up here. And be on the lookout for special bonus features, which pop up from time to time. Twitter, at Jobberknocker, at Nestlemania, at JC of the JK, at DQ of the JK, at Ray Ray of the JK, at BillyD2411, at Joe Pollock47, at TJ of the JK, at The Real Deal B. Cox, Facebook Jobberknocker, Instagram Jobberknocker, because Nestlemania, where are we? We're everywhere we want to be on social motherfucking media. I did not know if you'd buy in, but I'm glad you did. <laughs> it's been a while. I missed everybody. We missed you too, my man. Well, would you like to have the final word before we sign off? Sure, I would. For Nestlemania, this is JC saying we will be back next week with more Jobberknockery. <laughs>